All right, welcome to episode 25 of the Take One Security Podcast. Thanks for joining. Going to jump right into the news. Trend Micro had a Node.js server listening on localhost, and evidently connecting to it allowed you to execute commands. And somehow, even though it was listening on localhost, this is the part I don't quite understand, uh, it was exposed to the internet. So, um, pretty bad exposure. I think they've already fixed it or have put out a patch for it. An SSH backdoor was found in Fortinet firewalls. Uh, basically, a researcher was doing some uh, analysis and found the backdoor, and I uh, believe that's been addressed as well. There was a major SSH vulnerability that uh, came out, I believe, beginning of the week. And uh, unlike most vulnerabilities, uh, this is actually in the client, not in the server. And it allowed for basically some leakage of key data. Uh, And this has a patch out as well, which you should definitely implement, update all your your systems that use SSH. Australia Cybercrime Online Reporting Network, ACORN received over 39,000 reports of criminal activity in 2015. A number of my news sources seem to be heavy on Australia sources, so kind of interesting. But um, Hyatt has named 250 hotels hit by malware, and uh, one of them included the Hyatt in uh, Kentucky, that um, hosted a lot of people for DerbyCon. So if you went to DerbyCon, uh, I believe last time, um, last year, you should definitely uh, look for an alert to see if your account was compromised. WebSense is rebranding as Forcepoint and has acquired Intel's firewall business. Interesting there. Uh, see yet more consolidation happening. Twitter is looking to end its 140 character limit, which uh, this is causing some pretty serious uh, backlash. Uh, A lot of people saying, why did it take so long? And a lot of people are saying, you know, you don't want to do that. Uh, you're, You're basically getting away from forcing people to be concise, which is part of the charm of Twitter. I think the current proposal is to basically uh, still have 140 characters visible, and then you could basically click on it and go beyond the fold. Um, That's the rumor anyway, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I I wonder how the quality or feel of the service will change once people could just write entire stories there. Be interesting to watch. Major vulns still being found in health and fitness mobile apps. This does not surprise me coming from uh, Fortify where I was before we, where we did lots of uh, analysis analysis on different mobile apps. We didn't really find too many spaces uh, where we didn't see major vulns in mobile apps. I I just don't think uh, the defaults are secure enough to catch up with how many people are making apps. Um, 
And if you have a lot of people making apps for the first time and the defaults are not good, you're just going to have lots of vulnerabilities. And uh, I think what these companies do, and we did it as well, and you see lots of news feeds around this, but uh, you basically have a security company and you take a genre of app, like in this case, health and fitness, Maybe it's transportation apps, or maybe it's airlines, or maybe it's banking apps, or whatever it is. And you do some analysis on whatever, some subset, 10 apps, or 100 apps, or 1,000 apps, or whatever. And you basically give the state of the union on security for those types of apps. And uh, this particular one is saying health and fitness is not good, um, which would also make sense for another reason, right? The people making them don't see the data as, you know, PCI data or, you know, credit cards or something like that. But it is, it does tend to be PII type data or, or that's kind of a U.S. brand, but um, it's personal data and Europe cares about that. And uh, a lot of people should care about that, but it looks like they're not protecting it very well, which like I said, it's not a surprise. Angler exploit kit continues to evade detection. So evidently <clears throat> there's just been, you know, hundreds of thousands of additional uh, detections or uh, compromises based on this uh, exploit kit. And evidently the, the vendors are having a lot of trouble finding it, which um, immediately raises the question of how do we know it has so many infections if we can't find it? Um, it's mostly a joke, but not all the way. LostPass attack is a phishing email attack that works against LastPass. Uh, it was just showed last weekend at ShmooCon. Um, and evidently, there's uh, LastPass has already put out a workaround uh, to, to fix it. Um, I'm betting that they already started doing that before they did the talk. Um, I, I don't know that, but most security researchers will talk to the vendor and have sort of a solution before they, before they do the talk. So that was probably the case. Virus just took down the Melbourne Health computer system. <coughs> so um, party like it's 1999. Um, a Big match fixing problem has been found in tennis, which is, uh, of course, this is not uh, information security news, but it is sort of integrity of a system news, which is why I included it. Uh, pretty interesting. I remember reading uh, one of Tim Ferriss's first books, I believe it was, or maybe it was Malcolm Gladwell, uh, about the fixing in sumo wrestling. Uh, this reminds me of uh, that quite a bit. Evidently, people are just being offered, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to throw matches. And um, evidently, it's becoming a pretty big deal. Trustwave is being sued by a company called Affinity for supposedly missing a second hack that was going on while they were there to sort of triage and fix an initial hack. So they get called in to look at, um, you know, an incident, <clears throat> kind of like uh, Mandiant-like or whatever. And uh, while they're there, they sort of declare the issue fixed. 
or contained or whatever. And this this is just based on the article. If someone is at Trust Waiver, knows, you know, happy to issue a, a correction or whatever. But this is just based on the article that I read. And evidently the suit is saying that they were compromised again while they were there. And that uh, they're suing them for whatever, negligence. I'm not sure what they would call that. But um, And that transitions us to the ideas, updates, and discussion section. So thing to say about this trust wave thing is that IR is just nasty. It's messy. It's dangerous. Um, I know personally myself, whenever I've been in a, uh, in a customer and the moment they start talking about, Hey, this looks kind of weird. What do you think about this? Does this look weird? What happens in my brain? The moment somebody says that is I imagine like the uh, the record player uh, scratching sound, like or whatever it is, and thirty spotlights turn and focus on my face, and someone hits the record button, and those old old school like tape recorder reels start rotating, and I'm like, okay, so here's what I think we need to do, and I and I proceed to be extraordinary extraordinarily careful about everything I say and everything I do after that moment because what what happens so many times and I don't know anything about what Trustwave did here I, I have no idea if they did the right thing or the wrong thing or whatever I'm talking about generally I've seen so many people who when a customer tells them that something's going on they're just sort of relaxed, right? They're just like, oh, yeah, I would check this out. You might want to ping this and, you know, get a copy of that. You know, get a copy of that or do a backup. You should do a backup. And they're just sort of like rattling off like these steps. And what they don't realize is if something turns out to be serious, every single thing that happened after someone raised the issue, especially if you're supposed to be the expert, the, the whole company basically turns to you as like, hey, what should we do right now? And in quite a few situations, right? I mean, it depends on how robust your, your existing IR practices are. But in many situations, the right answer is to basically do a little bit of triage and then call like a pro. And that doesn't mean a security pro or a web security pro or a pen testing pro or a SCADA testing pro or a forensics pro or any of that. You need a incident response, forensics, somebody who like does this all day, every day. And normally the answer is that's mandiant. Um, and they sort of have a reputation for that. It's quite admirable actually everyone just kind of knows that you know if you're ever in that situation call mandiant and uh i, I think that's probably still <clears throat> still mostly the case um it's definitely what i would do I, I don't have any information uh to tell me not to do that but the main point is mandiant seems to be in that space where you just know they're going to do it right and there probably are other companies that I don't know about that are just as good, you know. But the point is, do not think that you, the customer, or you, the 
um, specialist in a different area are good enough to casually give advice about IR. And let's take that a step further. There's no such thing as casual advice about IR. The moment you're talking about IR, imagine every single thing you say is being recorded, is being followed by somebody. And if, if you gave them bad advice, it will come back to you. So this whole investigation or, or lawsuit or whatever, um, they're claiming that they were told, oh, it's fixed. It's contained, right? Those are the types of things like I would just never say. Like you go into a compromise. You, you don't know if they've been compromised for years. You don't know if it's an insider threat. You don't know if it's whatever, like some really advanced, sophisticated attacker has owned the network for years and years. And you're showing up in, in a couple of days, you're just supposed to like know what's going on. And again, this is not about what actually happened because I don't know shit about that. But just a word of advice, <clears throat> do not think you know what's going on in those sorts of situations and be very reticent to give strong sort of statements about you are secure, you are fixed, this is contained. Because oftentimes they will come back and uh, and leave a mark. Um, yeah, so that's all I have to say about that. Um, all right, next one in ideas, updates, and discussion. Uh, smartphone encryption and the gun debate. I think this is pretty pretty fascinating sort of corollary. Um, the smartphone encryption debate is, if you're not familiar, it's basically that, um, you know, governments need to be able to look at things. They need to be able to see into all encryption and people are pushing uh, pretty hard. I believe Clinton is actually pushing for laws to be able to look at anything. I'm not sure about that, but lots of different, um, I think Republicans are, uh, I think Clinton is, I think most po politicians who aren't very smart about this stuff are doing that. And definitely law enforcement are, are pushing for that. Then you have Tim Cook at Apple, who is just like adamant and sort of fiercely attacking the government for believing that this is a solution, that that you must be, be able to have a backdoor or you must be able to, you know, force people to give up access to um, people's data and Apple has an unbelievable like great great policy on this the answer is always no um, and I don't see uh, that force of statement coming from anyone else it's I already like Apple anyway I'm already a little bit of a fanboy anyway or more than a little bit um, but this is, I mean, this is the type of thing that makes me a fanboy is they are so pro-privacy um, to, to an extent that's kind of surprising because most people would think, oh, you know, Apple is like sellout, Apple is consumer. And, you know, if you want to be elite, you go to Android, you go to Google. But it's exactly the opposite because they're an ad company. They're not pushing back on privacy um, or attacks on privacy nearly as hard as, as Cook is. <clears throat> and that might not, not be that Apple is amazing. It might just be that Tim Cook is amazing. 
but right now that makes them both the same. Um, But what's interesting about that is that it correlates pretty similarly to, uh, or pretty tightly to um, the gun debate. And the gun debate, of course, and this is massive oversimplification, but, um, you know, uh, p- people are dying from guns, therefore take guns away, right? And it's the same sort of conversation as um, somebody somewhere has used encryption to do something bad, therefore we need a back door, or law enforcement needs access to encrypted data on all platforms, And um, the reason I added this to the agenda is because I saw another story recently that said that ISIS basically has or is building or already has built a custom encryption app where they do their own app and they have their own encryption. And, well, I don't know what encryption they're using. I don't know if it's a real app yet, but let's just say they are using their own what what do you do then if you're law enforcement? Do you like, oh, well, I guess they're using their own thing, so feel free to use, you know, Skype and um, Telegram and all these other different options for encrypted communication. Like, do you do that or do you go on and make a new dumb law? <clears throat> so my sort of joke was um, if you were going to have a law to backdoor all encryption, or to be able to uh, force people to give you keys. And then suddenly that doesn't work anymore because they went to their own encrypted platform. The next logical step seems to be to make murder illegal, right? Because then they could use any platform they wanted, but the actual murdering of people would not be allowed by law. I, I don't know why they haven't thought of this because that way the platform wouldn't matter. So um, I'll probably send it on to like moveon.org, you know, make a recommendation, try and get some votes for it. I, I think it should catch on. It's a pretty cool idea. <clears throat> um, all right. Next section, tools, talks, and projects. So first project, FIR, Fast Incident Response Management Platform. So this is uh, going back to incident management, some sort of framework or platform for, uh, I believe, capturing IR and sort of workflow ticketing on it. Um, Pretty cool project. I tweeted about it as well. Um, Diva, Damn Insecure and Vulnerable Android App. I have many bad jokes to make about that. Um, Well, I'll just say it's my podcast. I guess I'm allowed to. Um, It seems awfully redundant, uh, insecure and vulnerable Android app. But um, like I said, that's um, it's a bad joke. Not all Android apps are insecure. Still pretty funny. Um, All right, kill chain for Kali Linux 2.0. This is pretty interesting. So it's some sort of miniature framework inside of Kali. And it's basically for recon weaponization 
delivery, exploit, installation, C2, and actions. So I think basically you would have a vulnerability <clears throat> and you would run it through this framework <clears throat> and it would be for the delivery, weaponization, um, figuring out what your entry point is, uh, navigating your, your C2 mechanism and everything. Um, <clears throat> seems very black hatty, but that's fine. It is Kali, so <clears throat> makes sense. Definitely worth checking out Kill Chain for Kali Linux 2.0. <clears throat> Still partially sick after like six weeks. Quite annoying. Um, all right, next one Easy Wave. Exploiting Z Wave networks using SDR. This is awesome. I haven't messed with it yet, but it looks amazing. Have it in my queue of things to go and uh, screw around with. Next one, GoFish, open source phishing framework. Um, I think SET is probably sort of the industry standard. Um, I'm not an expert in phishing, but uh, SET is always my go-to. Um, I don't know if there's something better, but this is pretty cool. Uh, GoFish, another option. Uh, Venom SQL I scanner. That's <clears throat> uh, V3 and 0 M SQL I scanner. Uh, again, my go to is always a SQL map, but um, always interested in trying out new tools. <clears throat> uh, VScan uses uh, NSC scripts to find vulnerabilities. So it's like a vulnerability scanner, but with NMAP as the engine and specifically NMAP with NSC scripts. That was a really cool idea. Uh, Sleepy Puppy, which is a, uh, it's like an out of band. Um, I actually talked to the, the developer of it and, and told them to uh, rename it or suggested that they rename it to a XSS payload management platform. And uh, I saw recently that they had named it that. I, I think it's a smart name. It's a really, really great tool. Um, I was at a talk down um, an event, actually, security event, OWASP event, down at uh, Netflix a while back. And uh, the guy did the presentation there. I thought it was awesome. And uh, evidently, they now have a, uh, a burp extension, which is very cool. Um, What's slightly interesting about that, though, is that uh, it is a sort of competitor, or at least there's lots of overlap uh, against uh, or with the Burp Collaborator. So it's interesting that they're also in there, but no reason you can't have more than one thing doing functionality, right? So that's cool. And final tool, <clears throat> DBDAT, a database assessment tool. And I've got the link for that one in here. I don't have the links for all of them because they're easy to Google, but I did add that link. All right, announcements. Um, I am speaking at AppSec Cali next Tuesday in Santa Monica. And um, ShmooCon, which I just finished last weekend, has a hiring list, which I put the link for. Uh, looks like a room362.com link. Um, but I looked at the list. It's just tons of great stuff there, like tons of vendors, like what kind of people they're looking for. Um, if you know somebody who's looking for a job or you are yourself, definitely recommend taking a look at that. 
Um, and in miscellaneous, um, one of the sources that I look to uh, when I'm filling this out to get the latest news is um, I, I don't have a good name for the site. It, it's security.didici.cc. They really should come up with a catchy name or something that people can Google and sort of refer to it as. I put the link in the notes so you can go check it out. But what's really sick about this site is it's just a massive collection of news stories. And the top is navigation. It has news, podcasts, video, events, CVE, Twitter, and talk. So you can get like the latest news stories, which I use some of these in the show, and then um, podcasts. So you can get the latest um, like episodes of popular security podcasts. Videos, these are like videos coming from security uh, conferences. Upcoming security events, new CVEs coming out, Twitter infosec folks talking about whatever, and then various talks that have come out. Like it's an amazing sort of collection of security content. It's just highly recommended. You should definitely check it out. Wish it had a better name, but it's security.didici.cc. And finally, uh, just saw on Twitter, um, it's like 2.30 in the morning. I don't know why I'm up, but um, I just saw on Twitter that uh, Tripwire gave a shout out to the podcast, uh, this podcast, on um, on their feed, basically saying that it was, uh, it was first in their list for sec- um, security podcasts for 2016, and uh, they said it was great analysis, and... Uh, Thought that was cool. So thanks to Tripwire for doing that. And um, that's it for this episode. I will see you uh, next time. Take care.